0: All right, so tonight we are starting the financial stewardship challenge. So God has called us to be stewards. We're looking at some some passages of scripture. Just looking at the parable of the talents tonight. Looking at how God has called us to be stewards, to manage and to multiply everything that he's entrusted to us. So we're going to be taking some steps over the course of this month <clears throat> to get some models in place for stewardship and creating some systems for our finances. And so tonight we're going to be talking about just understanding stewardship and kind of getting the model set up, getting our getting our systems in place, the structures in place for the finances. And then we're going to start working on how do we manage those finances? How do we multiply those finances? How do we, and one of the most important things we'll be talking about how do we do it together? How do we steward finances together, both with God? If you're married with your spouse, if you have business partners or ministry partners, how do you steward those finances together? Because I think when we, if you get anything out of this, it's stewarding those finances together in partnership is the thing that takes the most pressure off. It allows you to avoid a lot of the pitfalls, a lot of the troubles that we get into sometimes financially, making bad decisions or whatever it may be, because we've got some checks and balances in place, it allows us to make better decisions and to steward those finances together. So we're going to get started here. We're going to look at um, the parable of the talents here in just a minute. But so we've got a book called The Pockets of Prosperity. So I started this whole program that we have called The Abundant Life Blueprint about 10 years ago. And it all started with Proverbs 13, 22, which says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And that verse inspired me to start creating manuals and lessons and systems For all the different areas of life, you see areas like purpose and health and family, finances, order, time and community are kind of the seven rooms of the house that we do. And so over the course of time, I just began to see God began to press into him and just began to teach me different ways of doing things. How do we function in his kingdom? How do we walk out this life of faith together with him? He began to give me some blueprints for just different ways of thinking about different ways of operating my own life in just different areas of life. And so tonight we're going to be diving into, in our our book, The Pockets of Prosperity, we have the financial blueprint. So we're going to be pulling some things out of that financial blueprint and applying them specifically into financial stewardship. So let's take a look at the the parable of the talents first. This is coming from Matthew 25. Talking about stewardship, how we've been given talents or uh, property that God's entrusted to us to steward. Jesus says for it will be like he's talking about the kingdom of heaven for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property to one. He gave five talents to another two to another one, each one according to his ability. And then he went away. So we've got one guy's given five talents. Another guy's given two talents. Another guy's given one talent and each according to their abilities. And then he goes away. He goes away. In some versions, he says, Do business until I return. Do business until I return. So it says, The guy who received the five talents, this is an important key. He went at once. Immediately, he went. He didn't procrastinate. That's one of the biggest keys to financial stewardship taking action. When you know what to do, taking action. He went at once and he traded with them and he made five talents more. Now, notice you'll see the other guys, it doesn't say that about them. They didn't go at once. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. So he multiplied what he was given also, but he didn't go at once. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came back and he settled the accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. And he said, Master, you have delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. Now, if you look in the parable of the Minas, I think it's in, in the book of Luke. Very similar story. But he tells them, you've been faithful over little. And now I'm going to put you in charge of 10 cities. So money is a little thing that God wants to see us steward. He wants to see us get this right. And when we get it right, we enter into the joy of our master. He gives us charge over bigger things. And so money proves our ability to manage and to multiply. So it's a little thing, but it's very important. So then he also came forward who had two talents. And he said, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had received one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. And so we see this guy, out of fear, he hoarded his money. He held on to it. Rather than trading and going forward in faith, he was operating by fear, and he was hanging on to it. And he ends up losing it, as we're going to see here. The more he hangs on to it, he loses it. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money. What should he have done? He should have invested his money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the guy who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's a lot in that short passage. Okay, this is, we're going to be just asking God here Heavenly Father, we're asking for your help to help us to become great stewards of all that you've entrusted to us to look at this this example on the parable of the talents the parable of the minus tell us to become amazing stewards who are consistent and skilled in managing and multiplying all that you've given to us i'm asking for your help with that today in jesus name so let's talk about money we all have a decision to make jesus says you can't serve two masters you can't serve two masters either you're going to serve god or are you going to serve money? We have to make a decision. Which one are we going to focus on? And we focus on the world system of finances. We, we push other people down to exalt ourselves up and to make more money. We make money by wronging people, you know, all these types of things. But in the kingdom of God, the way we prosper is by serving. By looking out for people, for people, for treating people the right way. And it's an important thing to think about. Money is relational. The only reason we need money is because there's other people to trade with. You can't buy, sell, give, or receive on your own. Money is relational. And Jesus tells us, you can use money to make friends. You can use money to make friends. Money is a little thing, he says. You've been faithful over little. He says money is a little thing. But you can use money to build relationships. You can use money to make friends. And one of the most important concepts is in all transactions, how do you make people feel? Do you make people feel like they got taken advantage of? Like they didn't get a good deal? Like they didn't get their money's worth? Do we negotiate all of the price out of them? Take advantage of people through negotiating? Or do we leave a little extra? It's interesting. You look in the Old Testament. It says when the people reaped their harvest, they weren't to reap their harvest all the way to the edges. They were to leave a little bit, to leave some, so that the poor people could come in and have some food. And I've got a a good friend of mine who's probably a multimillionaire, and he lives by this principle. And I, and I I had already, he's the only other one I've heard who's mentioned this, and I was already kind of living by it before. But he mentioned this, he goes, when I negotiate with people, I don't try to get as much money as I possibly can. I don't try to get the very best deal that I possibly could because I want to preserve that relationship. And so how we handle money, how we steward money, think about stewardship. Stewardship means we're entrusted with God's property. He wants his will done with it. His will is to make people great, to build up people, to make people great, to build relationships with that money. Now, he also wants us to be able to take care of our families, to have our needs to be met. I believe he wants us to prosper. I think it's part of his will for us. But to do it the right way. Where we're building other people up at the same time. We're serving others. And so, there's some concepts to think about. Now, some keys to finances. So, in the book, Pockets of Prosperity, we've got four keys that unlock the financial blueprint. And those four keys are, number one, decisiveness and taking action. So we saw the guy who had the five talents. Immediately, he put his money to work. He took action right away. Making decisions, being decisive. Once you know what to do, making the decision, taking action, being people who take consistent action is one of the most important keys to finances. I've had the ability or the blessing of being around a lot of millionaires, a few billionaires in my life. A lot of them, like more than the average, for some reason, God keeps surrounding me with them. And this is something I've observed over and over and over again. They're very decisive. And as soon as they know what to do, they take action. They're very decisive. As soon as they know what to do, they take action. And then another big one is rhythm. So what are we taking action on? We're going to take action on the good ideas that God gives us. We're going to follow those nudges that God gives us to be in a certain place at a certain time, to take a certain step, to do these certain things, to invest in this, to give here. But that comes from staying in rhythm with him. Money has a rhythm. Money has a timing component. Being in the right place at the right time can make you a lot of money. For example, you invest in the stock market or the crypto or the real estate or the right business opportunity. At the right time, you can make a lot of money. You invest at the wrong time, you can lose a lot of money. Having that rhythm with God, being in step, being in rhythm with him to help put you in the right place at the right time. And then trust. Trust is our third key. It's the emotional key to finances. In the United States, on our money, it says, in God we trust. Trust is the emotional key. It starts with trusting God. I think God... In my own experience, he takes us through this process where we have to learn how to trust him. We make him the source. We make him our source of security. We learn how to trust in him. And sometimes when we get fearful, we, got, we saw the guy with the one talent only who hid his money in the ground. He was afraid. He was afraid, and so he didn't trade. He didn't circulate the money. He didn't put the money to work because he was fearful. And when we get to this place of trust, what, is it, what do we have to do to get to this place of trust? We trust, for example, with God. We trust that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to follow through on his word. He's got good intentions for us. He plans to make us great. He knows what he's doing. We can trust that he knows the perfect thing at the perfect time. And then we've got to learn to function in that trustworthiness ourselves. Can, can God trust us to steward the finance as well? Can other people trust us? Are we going to do what we said we we're going to do? Are we skilled and knowledgeable in the things that God's called us to? Are we trustworthy people? And functioning at a high level of trust. I like to say it this way, that when trust is high, money flows. I was just talking with a with guy I was talking about who is probably a multimillionaire. And he said one of his clients just recently told him, he goes, what you're really selling here, you're selling trust. He's got people that trust him and therefore the money flows. You're selling trust. And then there's the flow component. As you get in rhythm with God, you function in trust with him. You get in the flow with the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you and navigate you. He says he can teach you how to profit. And then we've got to keep in mind cash flow. There's a lot of aspects of cash flow. For example, the guy who hoarded the money, who buried it in the ground, He didn't circulate money. He hoarded it and held onto it. He didn't keep it flowing. Money has to move to be healthy. Money's made to flow. It needs to move. It's not meant to stagnate and sit still. Money needs to move to stay healthy. And so a lot of times out of fear, we hoard onto it and we don't circulate money. And that puts a slowdown in the economy because money is relational. If I'm hanging onto it, it means it's not flowing to other people and it hurts them as well. So money is very relational. We also got to keep an eye on cash flow, how much money is coming in, how much money is going out. And an important piece, the rhythm and timing of that cash flow, because you might have enough money coming in, but it's too late. It's after the bills are due. And keeping an eye on our flow of money and the timing of it is another big component. So let's talk about the table turner. So in the book of Pockets of Prosperity, we have what we call table turners for every area. The table turner is the one most important thing. It's usually something that's very simple, very easy to do. And it sets us free, puts us in control, it sets us free. And the one thing I've seen over and over, the financial table turner is partnership. The financial table turner is partnership. When we learn to partner with God, partner With the people around us, could be a spouse, could be business partners, ministry partners. And we learn to partner the right way. It turns the tables. It takes the pressure off. makes everything else so much easier. Partnering around a common vision. Getting into agreement with one another. And so the one most important thing, if you get anything out of this financial stewardship challenge, the most important thing, if you don't get anything else right, we got to get this right, is stewarding the finances together getting into agreement, doing it together. This, will, this is the shortcut. This is the way to turn the tables and make everything so much easier. And I've seen this over and over. Spouses, for example, husband and wife, get into agreement on the finances. They were doing it separately. They come together. They get into agreement on the plan. They get into agreement on the decision-making. Things start to shift. Things start to turn really quickly. Very quickly, surprisingly quickly. As an example, in my own life, we had a time where we had some taxes. We knew we were going to be getting some money back, but it was getting held up and held up and held up, and we weren't getting the money. And I thought it was going to be a, a good chunk of money, maybe ten to fifteen thousand dollars was going to be coming back to us. It was being held up, held up, held up. It wasn't coming, wasn't coming. And then, as soon as my wife started to get an agreement about it together, we started to pray about it together, get a line together. Within a week's time, all that money got released, and it ended up being much more, like thirty something thousand dollars. But it didn't happen until we got into agreement, when we got aligned together. As long as we were going our own ways, the money just stayed held up, held up, held up, didn't come in. So getting into agreement, doing it together, this is the one thing you got to get, that we all have to get. And so it's first of all, partnering with God. What's his will? What's his vision? What does he want done with this money that he's entrusted to us, with the resources that he's entrusted to us? This is not just money, but it's also resources. Getting into agreement with him. So taking the time to pray, to seek him. What do you want want done with this? And then we get into agreement with our spouse. If you're married, we get into agreement with our spouse. Doing this together, managing it and stewarding it together. Doing it together. You can bring your kids into it if you have kids. And if you have a business partners or employees or ministry partners, how can you steward it together? Coming together, doing it together. That's the most important thing. Now, let's talk about some financial structure. So I want to work on this first week, just getting the big picture, getting some structures in place. And so here's the the basic structure that I think of when it comes to financial stewardship is getting the accounts set up. Now, there's also some more advanced steps, and we'll talk about more about those later when we get into investing and some of those types of things. But this is the basic structure. Number one is an operating account. The operating account is probably what you would think of as your checker, checking account. This is where money comes in, money goes out, your bills and expenses, you get paid in that operating account. And you've got that operating account. And then we're going to begin to set aside money into a savings account. Very simply a savings account, you could use some other vehicle if you want to, but it needs to be something that's liquid that you can get access to that money. We're not so much worried about a super high rate of return on the money. We're more worried about, can I get access to it very quickly if needed? And so we're gonna set up an emergency account. So often this can be just a checking and savings account that are with the same bank and they're just linked together and you can transfer money back and forth very easily. And then we have got to have a storehouse. Got to have some place where you can begin to store once that emergency fund begins to get filled up. Where can you store the excess above that? And that's where God began to teach me about a special kind of life insurance policy that you can use the cash value as your savings. And the beauty of this, these policies is that they earn between four to five, maybe up to a little higher than 5% per year. And it grows tax-free. So it's getting a decent rate of return of interest. But it's also building up cash value. It's also got a death benefit. So you have life insurance associated with it as well. But the beauty of this is you can get access to that money at any time. You take what's called a policy loan out of that cash value. And you can use that money to begin to invest into things. And the beauty of this is that money is tax-free growth on the inside of there. So it's actually like more like you're getting 8% probably. When you compare it to tax or taxed alternatives. And at the same time, when you pull money out of there, your money inside of the policy continues to compound interest like you never touched it. You'll pay some interest on the loan that you take out, but you're also making just about as much interest on the inside of the policy as you're paying on the outside. And so if you can take that money and invest it into things that are earning more than five or six, you know, four or five, six percent then now you're making $1 do two things because you're earning money on the inside, but you're also making a return on the outside and you can make $1 do two things. And so this becomes the storehouse and you store it up and you pull it out and then you replenish it and you keep borrowing and giving back to it and just builds this storehouse. And eventually you can become your own bank if you set this up properly. Now, at first I was kind of hesitant about these types of policies because it kind of goes against conventional wisdom. But I learned I felt like God was giving me the nudge to start with these policies. It's been one of the best financial decisions we've made probably as a family. And as I began to learn about those, I found that the Rockefellers, Walt Disney, JCPenney, all kinds of other very successful people. This was a strategy that they used. That was their storehouse. That's where they were pulling funds from to begin to invest. And so, very simple structure, an operating account, a savings account, or emergency fund. And then some kind of storehouse. You can use other types of storehouses if you want to. That's the one that I feel like God has shown me to do. And when we get sent out the emails, I'll send out some links where you can find more information about those policies. So we want to set up the financial structure because as we manage the money, we'll talk about the flow of money through our different accounts. How do we, how do we view the accounts? Those types of things. We'll start to talk about managing the money next week. But we want to get the structure set up first. And then there's a couple of of financial statements. If we're truly going to manage the money and steward the money at a high level, I think at a very minimum, there's two documents that we need to have. We need to get an accounting. So we saw the guy in the parable. He had five talents. Another guy had two. Another guy had one. They knew exactly how much they had. And so for a lot of people, they don't like to do tracking and accounting and these types of things very simply. We need some kind of a cash flow or profit and loss statement for the month. And so this is going to be a statement where on one side, you have all the income that comes in. On the other side, we have all of the expenses that go out. So you could think of this kind of like your budget. And at the end of the month, we want to see a profit. If we have a loss, then we're going to start making adjustments. We're going to talk about how to make how to manage this based on these sheets here. And so this can be a simple spreadsheet. It can be a piece of paper. We use just a, a, a Google Drive spreadsheet. That we use tracking the income on one side, tracking the expenses on the other. And we've got just a list of expected kind of budgetary expenses. And then we compare the budget to what we're spending. And so you've got a cash flow. On the other side, we've got a balance sheet. This is where you're going to list out your assets and your liabilities. So for example, what are the balances in your accounts? And so you want to track this probably month to month. where you say, January, I had this many dollars in my account. At the start of the month, February, I had this many dollars in my account. And you would do this for all your different accounts, for your checking, your savings, your storehouses, any investment accounts that you have. You'd also list your assets, things like, you know, how much is your house worth or your car's worth, those types of things. And then you would also have a column for your liabilities. Those would be debts that you owe, if you have any. You know, I owe this much on a house, this much on a car, this much in other debts, whatever it may be. And we want to look at how much assets do I have versus liabilities. Once we have this information, I know the amount of money coming in, the amount of money expected to go out in a month. I know that information. And I like to do them as forecasted. So when the month starts, I like to forecast out. And this little step, instead of doing it in reverse, where I track it after it's happened, I want to be proactive and look at what's coming. And that simple shift actually probably saved one of my personal training business at one point because our cash flow got really tight and I had to be able to manage it day to day for a little bit. And I knew what was coming, when things were coming in, when things were going out and I could manage that cash much more effectively. And so I like to look at the month. What, are, what expenses do I know are coming this month? What income do I know is coming? And it's never going to go exactly like you planned it. So we, we list those out and then we track it as it unfolds throughout the month. And then throughout time, we were just updating the balance sheets, probably monthly of the assets and liabilities. And this helps us to manage. It helps us to make decisions because now we have information. And now we can look at these statements together. We can pray over them. We can do them together with God. We can bring our spouse or our business partners and look at these together. And now we can begin to manage. We can begin to make decisions together based on good information. But this is gonna require us getting into a rhythm. So we're gonna set up these statements. And then the easiest way i found to do it, because it just takes a couple minutes a day, because you probably only have maybe one, two, maybe a couple of transactions in a given day, is just tracking on your spreadsheet on the cash flow or profit and loss statement. You know, what went in, what came out, what it was for, those types of things. And just tracking it. It probably takes five minutes or less to do. Just some apps that you can use, you can put them into a spreadsheet, whatever works best for you. And so you're tracking that. And then weekly, You're just going to do a quick review with your partners. Bring God into it, your spouse, business partners. All right, where are we cash flow? We have any problems coming up? Do we need to move any money around? What's coming up this week? Where are we on our cash flow? And so you want to do that together. And then at the the beginning or end of every month, you notice Jesus, it says, at the end when he came back, he settled the accounts. So you want to close out the month. Where are we? Did we have profit? Did we have loss? What resources do we have now? Do we have extra money that we can invest? Let's look at all of our resources. Let's look at our balance sheet. All right, we got money here. We got money here. We got money there. Is that the best place for it? Should we move it around? Should we invest in this? Should we give here? What should we do? And you begin to review those sheets and you begin to make decisions together. And then on a yearly cycle, this could be yearly or quarterly on some kind of longer term interval. You're looking at the big picture. Is everything adequately structured? Is everything adequately protected? Are we on the same page with the vision and direction of what we're trying to do this year? And you get this financial rhythm in place. So some action steps. So we talk about journal filters. I like to do journaling every night before bed. And At the very top of the journal, I like to do what I call filters. And these are just short phrases that I keep rewriting over and over just to keep things top of mind. So this month, every night at the top of my journal, I'm writing just this phrase, financial stewardship, financial stewardship, just to keep it top of mind. And then we want to start working on our first steps. Let's just get our accounting in place. Let's get our structure set up, operating account, emergency or savings account. And then we need to get some kind of storehouse in place. And that might take a little time to set that up, but that's okay. And then we want to start to get our accounting in place and start to keep that accounting updated. And we're going to start to get into that rhythm of doing this together with our partners and making all the decisions together. But I'm going to open it up and we can discuss a little bit and see what's coming to mind for you guys.